You're listening to an amazing podcast from an amazing podcast company. What's up, Mob Talk Associates? Jimmy Naples, Johnny Chickatelli. We're here for another Youngstown Mob Talk Live. We got to thank our sponsors right off the bat. Youngstown Tile. Go bold, go local, go Youngstown Tile. If you're looking for fantastic flooring, Youngstown Tile's got it, so make sure you check them out. Uh, Youngstown Clothing Company, they make great clothing. You can check them out online, or you can check them out at the Southern Park Mall. Also, we can't forget, if you need a ride, go see Jeff and the boys down at Pro Team Auto Sales on South Avenue. They've been a sponsor since we started this off in the beginning, and they're like family to us. So check those guys out. Uh, we appreciate our sponsors. If it wasn't for our sponsors, we wouldn't be able to continue to keep bringing you this great hey, content Jimmy, that we do. Tell these folks where we are today. Today, we are at Chauvin Career and Technical Center. Uh, we are actually in my classroom filming this. Uh, we're getting ready to uh, build a brand new podcast studio in here. But until then, we're in here. And uh, so we have our students were here. They were helping us with uh, pre-production and um, they were shooting some some documentary footage. So they're going to have that uh, for their documentary coming up here later on this year that they're putting together. This place is great. This is such a, a hidden gem. Uh, you know, Youngstown City Schools should be so proud of this place. This place, if I I wish they had this kind of stuff, and you know, when I went to high school, but uh, you know, it, this is awesome, man. It, it really is. And first of all, I got to say, Jim, you missed my la- you missed our our last episode of Youngstown Mob Talk. Uh, you know, for anybody who didn't know. The Youngstown teachers went on strike, so strike is over. Thankfully, yeah. everybody's back. Yeah, thank God that's all over and done with, and uh, we put all everybody put the bad blood behind them, so to speak. Uh, and we're back here. We're teaching our kids where we want to be. Um, so you know, I'm glad that's all said and done with, and yeah, know, we can get we can get moving forward with progress. Absolutely, instead of standing still, so. it's it's important to you know have the teachers back in school, have the the students back in school. Everybody's learning. School year's starting up. Uh, I'm sure we'll do plenty more episodes here at Chauvin. Yeah, and uh, like I said, we you know we got we have the we have the business and entrepreneurial students here. We had the uh, uh, my class was here, of course. So you know, it's just one of them to kind of see what we do when we do a podcast. What what's all involved? Absolutely, that's something. Well, listen, it, it's. Again, we just can't thank, you know, the school enough for for uh, hosting us here and, you know, big friends of Youngstown Mob Talk. All right, now we're joined by our special guest for the week, uh, Mr. Bob Golub. He is a stand-up comedian, an actor, a writer, uh, wears a lot of hats, probably, you know, a lot more than that as well. Uh, he's joining us today from Hollywood, California, even though... West Hollywood. West Hollywood. He's got, he's got roots right in the Mahoning Valley, the Shenango Valley, this area here. Uh, Bob, thanks for joining us. Tell everybody uh, real quick where, where you're from. Well, I grew up in uh, Sharon, Pennsylvania, right over the border. I mean, literally on the border, and uh, that's where I grew up. I used to be able to used to be able to drink 18 in Ohio at the time. Nice. Yeah. So, for anybody who's not from the region in the area, um, we're talking about Western Pennsylvania, right on the Ohio border there. Literally. But that is considered. Youngstown mob territory. That's the, the Pittsburgh family at, at these, you know, at the end of the mob there, but it was always considered um, part of the, the territory of the Youngstown guys. So, you know, Bob's got, uh, you know, some great stories we're going to get to. Uh, first of all, thank you so much. You know, it, you might recognize Bob, our, our audience should recognize you. Uh, they're like, where well, I know that guy. I've only seen him a million right. times in my favorite movie of all time. Right. Goodfellas. 
we'll get to this story in a minute, but Bob was in, has a speaking role in Goodfellas. Um, such a cool connection. You know, we, we, we did an episode where we discussed Goodfellas and the mob ties, uh, the Youngstown mob ties and, and things of that nature right. to, to Youngstown and, you know, how they used a uh, Youngstown Vindicator in the scene in, in Ray Liotta's final scene uh, when they film his witness protection scene for whatever reason, they just, they, they made up Ohio, even though he didn't go right really to witness protection in Ohio. Um, they just picked Ohio. And so the scene card, you know, the, the camera pans by a, a license plate on a car. It says Ohio Ray comes out in a bathrobe um, as Henry Hill. He, he bends down, he picks up a paper, says he's just another schnook, you know, and uh, and it's a copy of the Youngstown Vindicator. So we actually covered all that in a previous Youngstown Mob Talk. If you're watching this, we'll put the link below. Check that episode out. Uh, we go through all the connections uh, of Youngstown. Almost all the connections <laughs> of the Mahoney Valley. We got the big, biggest one here, our biggest uh, thing we left out. So, you know, our audience will know you from Goodfellas. Tell us real quick, you know, how great was that experience? Oh. You know, I mean, you know, we talked about this once briefly, you know, about how you grow up, how I grew up, one of eight kids, you know, nothing. No one's ever get you boxed. I wrestled, you know, I know Ray back there. Boom, boom, Mancini. Ray Mancini for anybody who's who's out of the loop. And uh, Eddie, you know, uh, I'm married with children. Uh, Ed O'Neill, absolutely. Youngstown goes way back, you know, I mean, from traffic camp. I mean, just... You know, I, it's it's in my system, you know, and, and when you grow up the way we grew up, and I say we, you know, kind of blue collar, you know, and uh, no one gives you nothing. You have to fight for your own things, you know, and that's why I was able to get in Goodfellas. I mean, to be honest with you, uh, to, to drive in naivete, you know, just so, I mean. But and we'll talk about how you got the role in a right. minute, but just overall the experience. I mean, was that your first big Hollywood movie? <laughs> See, only movie, man. You know, <laughs> I, I, I'm not an. I wasn't. I wasn't an actor. You know, I was a comic. I was a stand-up comic. It was. You know, it's like whatever you decide what you want to do in life, and you achieve it, uh, regardless of what it is. I mean, it's kind of a rocky story, really, if you think about it. All he wanted was a shot. All I wanted was an audition. You know, and when I got to that, that was a. I know, you know, in life, you you work at something, and then when you achieve it, you go, "Oh man, that was great." And the trials and tribulations getting there it could be tough, you know. And when you, you know, even when I wrestled, I was a four year letterman, the first four year letterman in my high school, you know. And then when I boxed, I mean, um, I boxed lifers in prison, you know. Yeah. Uh, so you know, you, no one's there behind you, you know. What I mean, it's not baseball. You mix the ball, someone gets it, you know, or basketball. It's it's always, you know, one-on-one boxing, wrestling, one-on-one sex. I'll leave that alone. You know, so uh, it's, it's like you, there's no one there. You know what I mean? So when you achieve that, it's you. You know, I, I always wanted, if I ever get an award, I always wanted to thank myself. Well, Wes already did that to the black rapper, which his name I love. Uh, uh, you know, he thanked himself. You got to thank yourself. Yeah. Like, everyone thanks everybody else. No, no. Me, man, I'm the one there doing it. So when you grow up with eight kids and, you know, uh, not having any money, you know, it's violin, it's the truth. You were, you were poor. No one's there. No one's there to back you, you know. So when you achieve something, it feels it feels um, great. Great. I mean, it's really, 
I don't know the word ethereal, whatever it is, you know, just yeah. unbelievable. Well, and that, and of all the movies to land, that oh. is the one that people, it's one of the, you know, five of all time that people will just watch over and over and over whenever it comes on TV. So, you know, you hit the jackpot. Like my, yeah, who would know, right? It's 30 years later and people like, so my daughter's 17 now, right? And she goes to school out here. Her friends watch it. So now I'm going like third generations of people watching this. And so you're getting a whole new audience every time. Listen, who would know when you, go for something that, you know, and you achieve it, it's going to turn out to be this. Even if I get a series, uh, my own series, which I've only came close to getting different times, I'm all, when I die, it's going to say from Goodfellas. <laughs> like, yeah. it doesn't matter. I mean, I could, I could start with Stallone in the film, you know, and they're going to, you know, they say, well, oh, he died. Was, he was in Goodfellas. You know, hey, <laughs> wait a minute. I'm going to come up from a grave and go, wait a minute, you know, I've done this and did that. No, Goodfellas. I mean, yeah. it's really weird how people react to it. And I can always tell when people go, you know, it was one of my favorite parts. And I'm going, oh, boy, there's a racist there, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. And we'll get to that real quick. But so if anybody doesn't, they're looking at you and they go, wait, wait, wait. I don't remember. What part were you in Goodfellas? What part were you? I was the truck driver that drove into the diner. And uh, Joe Pesci and Ray Liotta, I nodded to them. And then they stole the truck. And then I went into the diner and came back out. You know, it was all set up. And then I act like uh, two, uh, I use racial epithets. I blame two black guys. Two, uh, race, uh, two N-words stole my truck. By the time I grew up, there was 30 billion a year in cargo moving through Idlewild Airport. And believe me, we tried to steal every bit of it. So you got to understand, we grew up near the airport. It belonged to Pauly. We had friends and relatives who worked all over the place, and they would tip us off about what was coming in and what was moving out. Uh, if any of the truckers or airlines gave us any trouble, Paulie had his union people scare them with a strike. It was beautiful. It was an even bigger moneymaker than numbers, and Jimmy was in charge of it all. Whenever we needed money, we'd rob the airport. And to us, it was better than Citibank. The weird thing is, all my black comic friends go, Go, if I know you improvise those lines, I go, No, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't those lines. So for six years, all these uh, black comics go, Go, what's up with that shit, man? I go, What? What? So Mike said you improvise. I didn't. You know what? After six years, I said, Fuck it. I added two. All right. How about that? There's one I added to. But it was in, in the script that said, uh, you know, do N-words stole my truck. They let me improvise around that, by the way. I got to okay. improvise a Scorsese film. So when I walk into that diner and I grab my bald and curl my tongue, that's my dad. That's doing, that's my, how my dad used to talk, curl his tongue when he get mad. He said, dad, if they hit you in the chin, you're going to cut off your tongue. So I was doing my dad. But yeah. quite, I mean, like, think about my 17-year-old daughter going to a private school in Delhi, Notre Dame, you know of, right? <laughs> And her friends are like fans of this film. They come over all the time. And so I have a phone. Oh, I should show you. I have a phone outside my house, a really a, a, a regular uh, phone, like uh, from the old days, right? It sits yeah. on the porch. And the kids come by and say, two Italians stole my truck, or two, uh, they'll, they'll, they'll all do the same, but do a yeah. different ethnicity in the background. <laughs> that's <laughs> so cool. Yeah. That's, you know, that's one of the most iconic films 
you know, when we look at the at the mafia genre of films, right? You've, right. you've got The Godfather, you've got Goodfellas. Um, you know, talk to us about what you did, you know, to get into that role. Because originally you were trying to, uh, you were going for the role of uh, Jimmy, Jimmy Burke, right? Right, correct. So, so tell us, like, what you put into preparing for that role and, and the things that you went through for that. Well, you know, I was a comic, right? So I'm still a stand-up comic. I would work every night, Monday to Sunday. I was single. I lived in Staten Island, you know. And so somebody said to me, you know, because they know my character, you know, you know, kind of rough, tough, you know. And they say, hey, you should read this book. I'm not a reader, you know. Uh, you know, I'm not really that educated. You know, what kept me out of college was high school. So, you know, so they said, <laughs> so they said uh, read this book uh, called Wise Guys. So I read this book. And... I got to tell you something. It's the first time I've ever read a book cover to cover, back to back. It just blew me away. When I read this, I felt like I was in the actual scene. And what used to tick me off was I would see like Raging Bull, uh, Pope of Grunge's Village, right? Great films, right? And I always say, I could do that. I could do that. I could do that guy. That, that's me. I could do him. And by the way, I look at him, the way we grew up. Hey, that guy tough. So when I, when I read this, I'm going, my God, you know, I really relate to this Jimmy the Gent Burke, um, the way he grew up tough, like I did, a big family, you know, and then uh, jail, prison, you know, uh, I had a little organization uh, in, at the time when I was 18, selling pot, I had, we were doing big numbers, you know, and I had a lot of, so everything about him I could relate to, I, like I helped him, I, I didn't kill people, I, I'll admit to, but you know, the thing is, is that he, you know, everything he did, I felt like, God, I could, you know, I never felt that way in my life, reading something like this, it just brought me in, and so I'm driving back after a one-nighter, uh, somewhere in Jersey, you know, I can't remember, going back to Staten Island, and I used to listen to talk radio and or, you know, James Brown would keep me alive, James Brown kept me alive, man, that up, you know, but I'm listening mm -hmm. to John Gramling, I believe his name, Gramling, and Nicholas Pelagi, Nicholas Pelagi was on there, who wrote Wise Guys, by the way, incidentally, he's right there's the book I read, I, mm -hmm. I, by the way, I keep everything, I have my wrestling, uh, all my wrestling, uh, uh, write-ups. I keep everything. I'm a hey, real, real quick, real quick. What What's weight it? did you wrestle in your senior year? Uh, 98. There you go. You're the little guy. The little guy. I'm I like small, it. Man. I you asked know. that because I, I, I'm, I can share something with you that uh, I was a four-year letterman in the sport as well. Oh, so, oh yeah. It was, it was, uh, what high school? Austin Town Fitch. Today, of course, we're, we're, we mentioned in our intro, but we're coming to you live from Schaffen Career and Technical Center, which is downtown Youngstown, right. uh, where Mr. Naples here teaches. So, right. you know, we, we, we love this school. This school's awesome, man. They uh, such great equipment and things. If they had this where I went to school, man, I would have I would have uh, I would have I would have skipped film school and went straight to L.A. afterwards, oh, or, you know, or build a business here. And uh, so anyway, sorry to interrupt you, but you, you're talking Nick Pelleggi. Yeah, so, um, so like, you know, I couldn't even pronounce the name, you know, Nick, Nicholas Pelagi, right? So, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> I'm driving back from one nighter, <clears throat> I'm turning on the race switch, and I, WOR's on John Gramling. If you check it out, he's pretty famous. He's been there, and his dad was there for years, you know. Um, and he says, Nicholas Pelagi on, and they're talking about wise guys. At the time, it was wise guys, like the book I'm showing you here. This is the yeah. book I read, by the way. Um, mm -hmm. 
And I'm like, they're, they're saying that they might score say they might do a film. And I'm going, whoa, wow. You know, so when I go back now, you got to remember at that time, there's no internet. There's nothing. And how do you get, to, you know, how would you, I have no agent or manager or nothing, right? But I, I would love to be able to do Jimmy the Gent Burke because I could feel him inside of me. Fuck the acting. Can I swear? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck the acting. I, it was there. It was in, I felt this guy. You know what I mean? I don't need to feel this way. No, I felt this guy. I want, yeah. I wanted a shot just to read for this guy. That's it. That's all I wanted, just a shot to read. No agent, no manager. How am I going to do this? So. And um, real quick, this would have been 1988, right? 1988, right. Yeah. Wow. You know, and when I read the book, right, and then when I was driving home and I heard that they were going to do this. Now, there's a thing called, for people who know, there's pre-production and there's post. Pre is setting the film up and then post is, you know, finishing the film up, editing, what have you. So they were like, I, who do I get to? So there's a, there's a, actually, I, I saw it yesterday. Like, how do I find out, like, who's his agent? I don't like, what do I know, right? I just trying to, I just wanted an audition, that's what I want. So um, I figured, like, how do I get to Scorsese, right? No agent, no manager. Um, there was a book where they had a list of different production companies that, you know, directories, I, creative I, directories. Yeah. You know, it was like, it was like, um, I show you here, but it, it, it's, but what it is, it, it was once something that had at least production, you know, names on it. So address, saw, they, they have addresses usually and, uh, and the, the production company name on them and the, and where you can physically, you know, maybe a phone number if you're lucky where you can physically, you know, right. reach out to them. Yeah. Right. So Barbara Defina at the time was the producer on the film. She was Scorsese's wife. So what I did was, and remember, I'm a young kid. They, they, so I, I reached out to her. Um, they don't know who I am, you know, yeah. and, and I'm just saying, Hey, listen, I, uh, I can't remember the exact conversation with her, but you know, there's six months out now before they even start. You follow me? Yeah. They're in uh, post or, or pre-production. Um, I don't even know. I don't know what this stuff is. I don't know what, you know. So I just called. I said, listen, I'm. So she said, well, way back. And then, you know, it's it's a long time. Just stay in, stay in contact. Right. So I got Bob, was it her directly or was this like a. Um, yeah. An assistant or a secretary that told you well, this? Well, probably most likely the secretary at the time. You know, I, I you know, but she knew <clears> of <throat> me because I had called a couple different times. Who's this kid? You know what I mean? Who's this guy? You know, they don't know if I'm a nut or whatever. You know, you just don't yeah. know. Um, and and so as and I'm trying to find so so I so I the only thing I knew was okay. You know, let me call this. You know, no. All they could do is say no, right? Um, so they said, well, look, we're six months out, uh, and Erwin Winkler is producing. So I look Erwin Winkler up. He did Rocky and, you know, and so his assistant, um, God, I, I have her name here somewhere because I found it last night. Oh, here it is. Here it is. Check this out. So, um, it's, it's got coffee stains and all that shit on it. It's old, man. So this was wow. the thing that we were talking about that you could go to. And so it had her name. So her name was Janet Crosby, right? She was assistant to Erwin Winkler, who was going to be the producer on the film, who did the Rockies and what have you. So I called her up 
And now, but oh, so before I called her up, I was trying to figure out uh, where Scorsese's agent or manager was, and he had he had none. The only thing I could find was he had a lawyer, and his lawyer uh, was, in fact, I sent you that letter where I told him I drove in from Youngstown, right? And uh, I, I, oh, his name was um, oh Todd Errol. That's what it was, Todd. So he, so I, I called him up. And what I did was, this is crazy. I'm backing up a little bit here because before I get into uh, to Erwin Winkler, I went to, I found out where his address was. So I went to his office, but I didn't go in. I followed him for two weeks and I'd follow him to see the right time I could hit him up and say, hey man, listen, you know, they're doing this film. I heard that they're doing this film from Wise Guys. I waited for two weeks. This guy ate it. Expensive restaurants, by the way, it was cost me a mint. But I was trying to put <laughs> right time to hit him up, man. When's a right time to hit him up? So after he gets done eating, I follow him back. This is after two weeks now. Now remember, I'm performing at night, every night, Monday to Sundays. I'm doing stand-up. But so during the day, I followed him. So I after about two weeks, I I'm mean, not spending any more fucking money. This is driving me crazy. I would go to the restaurant where he was eating and shit. And then when he came out of his office into the bathroom. I waited at a perfect time. Right when he came out of the bathroom, I said, excuse me, um, do you have a second? Who are you? Like, you know, and I said, well, uh, my name is Bob Gulp. I'm a stand-up comic, and I know uh, Scorsese is doing a film. Oh, yeah, yeah. And ready? I swear to God, so I lied. I live in Staten Island. I said, listen, I drove in from Youngstown, Ohio, man, just to uh, talk to you for just a second of your time. He goes, Youngstown. He goes, he pauses. He goes, Youngstown. All right, come on in. So I sat down with him. And, and this was the beginning stages of this whole, my experience of going after this. He was the first step. Because I, he, again, Scorsese didn't have no agent or managers that I couldn't find on here. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. all I saw was a lawyer. And I, I'm reading the papers and all that, trying to pick up what to talk about, when, when the film was going to, it was really early. So he said to me, he said, listen, we're so early in the stages. That's what he told me with pre-production. Uh, I didn't know what that was. We're about six months away. I said, well, I would just like to read for uh, Jimmy to Jen Burke. I read about him in a book. And he goes, okay, well, listen, get back with me in a couple of weeks. That's when he said, he told me that Urban Winkler was doing it. And, or, and then also uh, uh, Barbara Defina, the uh, Scorsese's company, that was his wife. So that's when I started doing the research. I said, well, let me go get some idea. Not only just want to play this guy, but not from the book, but actually get experiences. You know, his, the way he talked, the way he yeah, yeah. A little bit of everything. That's when I started going out on the street and I knew I'd have to go to some of the guys and, you know, talk to them. And that's my, my focus was to go down to the hunt and fishing uh, place in, in Queens that um, uh, John Gotti at the time, you know, in the eighties at that time, it was big, you know, like they had mm -hmm. like a lot of uh, the, the guys were, you know, uh, they had a, you might know there's a older guy that would walk around with a, uh, like a night coat he act like he was done like he was like uh, his mind was gone but he was playing so it was around that time you know and he was he was the for anybody who doesn't know what you're talking about the vincent the chin giganti the chin really played it up he played that persona like he was yeah, right, like right. Really crazy that was that Vince was um, a prosecution like he was yeah. he was <laughs> that's a, he's a character that guy that but go ahead no that was the time and then you know and then, then gaudy uh 
a whack, the guy coming out of the, he was from Staten Island at the place called the White House. They killed, it was, it was a mob. It was like really intense in New York. Uh, Giuliani was uh, at, I got a story about him. He was, um, you know, everything was like, you know, really heightened. It was really mob area, you know. Uh, so I figured, you know, like I, I knew about God. I see him on TV all the time. That John Miller, the reporter, kept following him around, you know. So I'm going to go down and ask them about Jimmy the Gent Burke. So I go down to Queens. I do stake it out a little bit before I go, you know, a day, two. Then I go back the third day. And uh, there's the nuck, the necks outside, you know, there's about four or five of them. And I said, look, um, hey, I'd like to talk to uh, John. I go, what? The fuck you want to do? Who are you? So I'm an actor. I wasn't an actor. Uh, and Scorsese, you're doing his film. And, you know, I just wonder I could find. I talked to John. What are you, fucking nuts? I said, no, no. And they're, like, and they're looking at me and then looking back at each other. This fucking kid. The whole fucking, like, the whole thing. You know. I'm going, why I want to talk to him? Can I talk to him about it? just, you know, maybe how he walks or talks or whatever, smokes him? He goes, you what? You want to talk? Get the fuck out of here. And he goes, oh, you're, 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 you're an actor. Well, act like a fucking runner. Run the fuck out of here. Get the fuck out of here. This fucking nut, motherfucker. It was that kind of, like, out of a fucking scene. <laughs> and I found out later from the FBI, I was on tape, too. But so... <laughs> So they said, I'm, so I went back the next day and I said, I'd like to ask John just a couple questions about Jimmy the Gent Burke. And he said, I'm going to tell you again for the fucking second time, you motherfucker. Get the fuck out of here. I'm going, oh, what the, are you serious? No, no. He wants an overshoot. Like, you know, that type <laughs> So. Well, I can only imagine for, you know. So some kid walking in off the street. I want to talk to John Gotti. That's that that alone is a you know is is a movie quality scene right there. But keep going. Uh, well, you know, dude, listen, it's naivete. I didn't. I by the way, when it's I it's, it's balls. It's you know you're from this area. Do not do what I did. <laughs> don't do that. I I mean, you know what the fuck? I just I, look look. I have no way. I'm sick and tired of not getting a shot. Like you know. All these people, agent, manager, I can't get, just give me the, let me just read for the thing. That's all I want. That's all I want. So fast forward a little bit. I'm going back. Now I find out that they're in production or, or not production in actually quote in pre-production. So they're starting to get it going. The script is written, right? And so I call back the, the, the lawyer and he said, well, let me just tell you, I can't make that decision. If you want to get an audition, that's going to have to go through the casting director, which will not even set up yet, that that he's telling me the process, you know. Uh, then when I found out Erwin Winkler, I looked him up and I said, oh, this guy did Rocky, but that, right? So I call. I call. I call anybody. So I call, obviously. And uh, Janet, I just found Crosby, and she's very kind. Now, what I do is when I call her, I always say that Wes McCall told me to call you. So in other words, even though he might have told me to call her, it's you got a referral. You got, yeah, yeah. They're not going to call each other and go, "Oh, did he?" You know. So being I'm calling by a name and she knows the lawyer, it gives me some cred. At least you know I'm not a wacko calling. And she was very kind. And what here's what I did. Check this out. She said, uh, "Bob, she's very nice." She said, "Bob, uh, we're way ahead of time right now. 
Um, I said, you know, I start doing research and she goes, just, we're, we're like six months out. Could you get back with me in another month? <clears throat> so what I did was I sent her a cactus, not a flower, a cactus that she could put on her desk that every time that I call, she'll fucking look at the cactus and remember me. And so she would say, call back in 30 days, bam, 30 days. I call her. I said, Hey, you told me to call. I'm back. She goes, and she was very kind. She goes, Bob, um, we're still early in the stages. Um, just stay back. Call me another 30 days. So in that meantime uh, of that 30s, I'm out doing some research into John or into Jimmy, the gent Burke. So I find out, and I don't remember exactly how, but he has a daughter. He had two, but I remember he had a daughter that had someone told me. Now, by the way, I'm in a comedy club, so a lot of guys own the comedy clubs. Well, why? Some of them, you know, which is comic we'll never experience today. But so they told me, one guy said, you know, Bob, um, he has a daughter. She has a jewelry place in Little Italy. I don't remember her name, uh, but I went down there and uh, I said, uh, hey, uh, same thing. I mean, Bob Gollop, I'm a, I'm a comic, an actor doing this thing. And I just wonder if I could ask you a little about your dad. And she goes, I like the typical Italian woman. What the fuck you want? <laughs> Whoa, I'm just asking you like. I'm just wondering, like, you know, if I could ask you how he talked. You know, get the fuck out of here. I don't want to talk to you. So I leave that. And then I try her one more time again, another week. And, you know, she sees me come in and she puts her hands up like this. I'll never forget it. <laughs> and, like, I could see her face. And she was a good-looking girl, too, a woman. And she said, get the fuck out of here. And she had, like, customers there and shit. There's a jewelry place. <laughs> oh, man, you really stepped in it. Yeah. Well, again, what are you do? Kill me? Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Um, and so, again, as we go further, I call Erwin Winkler's office again. And they, uh, Janet and, you know, my cactus. Hi, Bob. Uh, we're still four or five months out. No, but they're, at that point, it was like three months, four months before they actually start shooting. And she says, okay, it's like, I'll call you back in 30 days. In the meantime, I was working a place called the um, Comedy Club. Ah, it was in Yonkers. And Frank D'Amico, I can mention his name. He's dead now. He was a comic. And his friend was part owner of it. He was a wise guy. And so Frank said to me, now, by the way, I'm also going to other places in Manhattan and in, 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 in Queens and stuff asking questions. You know, who the fuck is this kid asking questions? Is he a cop? You know, it's going... The word gets out fast. I'll be honest with you. People think New York's big, but it really comes small when you're dealing with that kind of stuff. They talk, you know, yeah. that, you know, um, some, the shootings, no, no, what's it calling? Junkers. Anyways, the comedy club. So Frank said to me, Bob, and I'm closing the show. And he said, Bob, uh, somebody wants to talk to you. I'm like, what? So his partner was, a, I can't remember his name was Wise. He goes, hey, uh, my friend wants to, take you for a ride. I'm like, what the fuck's happening? So like, I, I, I was like a little, like a little nervous, you know, but not, not too nervous. Like what, what do they want to know? You know, because, well, they just want to talk to you. So I'm in the car. I come, I can visually see me coming out of the comedy club now. And I sat in the car. And there's a guy in the back, right out of a movie. I said, behind <laughs> me. Doesn't say a word, right? Doesn't say shit. Doesn't say shit. Okay. Wow. And, then I, and before I get in, I look at Frank, I go, well, 
you know, he goes, no, no, it's good. <laughs> Every time you hear, oh, it's good, that scares me a little bit. You know, like, oh, no, no, it's all good. No, we're, we're friends. You know, the, <laughs> so I'm in a, so we go for a ride. The show hasn't started. The people starting to come in. Now I'm headlining the show. So, but guy, I, you know, only when I close the door and we start taking off a little bit that I got a little weakness in my knees where you feel like, Ooh, I, I don't know if this is good. You know, cause I, I told you years ago, I was had my own shit going, you know, I had guns and all that. And all. But this was like, this was the real deal, you know? And like, I had a little weakness, you know, I'm confident attitude, but then all of a sudden a little bitch comes in me. I'm showing them that. Like, I can feel the knees. My knees are a little weak on what the fuck. And I'm thinking, they can't kill me. If they kill me, who's going to close the show? <laughs> I mean, like, you know, you know, you, you, you're not going to have no show, you know? Yeah, they'd wait till after the show to do it. They wouldn't do it before the show. Right. I, well, I don't, I still don't know. I mean, I'm trying to, you know, it's like, I, it's like one time I fought a life in Western Penitentiary. It was like 90% black. And I went in there, a little white dude with long hair. I didn't, you couldn't show you were, you were afraid because yeah. they'd eat that up. So I couldn't show I was afraid, but I was, my knees, I swear to God, I keep saying this. Well, and I can only imagine this is, this is before Goodfellas. Right. This is the eighties. The, the, the most famous mob scene in a, in this situation that you could probably think of is, uh, uh, the Godfather, yeah. right? Leave the gun, take the cannoli, right? The, the or or the or the scene with uh, they did it twice in the Godfather with, with, with Carlo, with Carlo, yeah, yeah, where Carlo gets in the front seat and the guy's in the back, and then that's the one way the one way ride. You don't come back, and, then, well, you know, and he's you right behind you, you. You know, Bob, you do have a connection with my family. My uh, my uncle Sandy did time in Western State Penitentiary. Oh, really? Yeah, uh, thirty like thirty three to forty three. Wow. That was the oh yeah yeah that was when you got linked up with the Pittsburgh guys yeah 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 you know well I was in a place called uh, 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 Northwest Regional Correctional Facility and the funny thing is is that they call it a country club you know uh, when yeah. I went down there to fight this guy it was a, it was a lifer and he he fucked me up I found out when I go back a couple of years later that uh, to do stand up believe it or not seven years later that that guy I fought. It's called the animal. I'll get, I don't want to get off just too much with this, but that guy, uh, I found out, killed two people with his hands. He was going to turn pro. Nobody would fight him. Wow. I didn't know. I was new. I said, I'm the inmate. I'm the one that fights this fucking guy. And they let him out of the gate. He was locked up in a fucking cage called 23-1. They let him out one hour. He'd work out. All his thing was he wanted to fight. No one would fight him. When I fought wow. him, and I, I knew he'd come out. He was overweight. No teeth, bald head. I looked at me and said, I'm going to kill you. And I hit him six <laughs> times in his face, looked at me and said, I'm going to kill you. So, but that fear, I'm talking about, you know, when I walk out and there's animal, animal, 1,500 people, and I come out, I'll jump over three fine bitches and get your ass. Fuck you, motherfucker. Trying to act confident. So when I was in that car and the guy's behind me and the guy's driving, I, you know, I try to act confident, but I'm telling you again, not to keep redundant, but my knees, there's a, there's a weakness in your knees that you go, I don't know, like, this is the real fucking deal. These guys are real. This ain't like TV shit. So I just said, they said, why are you going down bothering Jimmy's daughter? The first thing he said to me. And I said, well, what do you mean? What do you, what do you mean? What do you mean? Now I'm not, not paraphrasing exact words. I don't remember exact words, right? I'm paraphrasing it. So, but this is the gist of it. 
And I said, well, I went down. He said, you went down twice. Yeah. Why are you bothering her? Well, oh, by the way, side note, I went also to prison to meet Jimmy DeGent Burke. He was in, he was in uh, Lewisburg uh, prison. I went to the prison, by the way. They wouldn't, obviously, as you know, you got your name got to be down. Yeah, yeah. I figured, fuck it, I'm going to go anyways. I was crazy. I went. I, crazy. I went. And they, I, I know that you can't let you in, but I, I'm asking them, and they, I, I didn't get in to, to meet Jimmy. So, so this guy, we're driving, and uh, it's before the show. And he said, "Well, you're down there." I said, "I just, I'm just asking how he, you know, how he walks. I don't know, just a little bit of character stuff." And she goes, you "Fucking leave people alone." And then he goes down to fucking. Then he turns over his shoulder like this. So the guy, then he goes to fucking Jimmy's fucking. Uh, goes down to um, uh, John's place. The fuck's wrong with you? I go, I again. I'm just asking. You got to leave these fucking. First of all, I see here about you going down at the daughters one more fucking time. You're gonna have some problems. And you go down to John's place? Are you fucking nuts? I go, oh, man. I, now I'm trying to double talk. I'm just trying to talk my way. I don't know. At this point, I can feel the tension. You know, like. It could go one of two ways. Me, right? And the guy's too. He ain't said a fucking word. He's behind me. And I'm thinking, I'm going to get the thing, you know. Uh, you know, the whole. The, the bow tie, whatever they call it. Uh, or the, the garrote, right? What's that? Yeah, the, the garrote. Yeah. Garrote. You get garroted. That's what yeah, that's you know, the whole thing, you know? And uh, uh-huh. so as we're driving, uh, and this ain't long, as I'm saying, like maybe 10, 15 minutes, <clears throat> long enough to almost shit my pants, you know? <laughs> but uh, <clears throat> mm-hmm. so what happened was I, he, they finally, he said, look, I, we know you're going around town, you know, and this and that, asking people, you're doing too many questions. People are getting nervous. They don't, I said, but I'm not a cop. I mean, you know, I'm not a cop. I mean, you know, you can see I'm a comic. Yeah, but you're a comic as an asshole. You won't fucking, we want you to leave fucking people. I said, okay, I'm not going to go down uh, to hunt and fish place there in Queens, John's place. I'll leave the daughter alone. But can I still do a little reach? Hey, you know, fucking don't, 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 you know, don't be a fucking, no, no, I'm not being wise. I'm just saying, I'm like, and then I swear my mother, that's the God's truth. I said, look. I got it. I'm not going to do it. I will leave everybody alone. Okay, I'm just thinking, all right, you, you go with that? I say, yeah, I'm good with that. And I swear my mother, he turns around and says, hey, you mind me a little Jimmy, don't he? They actually said that. And they said, hey, I said, how did he smoke? How the fuck did he get it? And they said, he had a cigarette. So they were telling me some stuff about Jimmy. And they, they said, this guy reminds me of Jimmy a little bit. And so they dropped me off. And I did my show. They didn't whack me. So that was a part of the thing that started uh, some of the stuff that happened. And then it went further as, you know, I went back out and did more research. I didn't go down to the daughter's place. I didn't go to John Gotti's place. I went to, you know, just asking people at different clubs because they already gave me a little idea about him, how he talked a little bit. He said, you know, his mannerisms, you know, he carried himself like a fighter like you do. And he smoked. And he'd always smoke with his hand like this. They would show me different things, right? So mm-hmm. I figured, hey, again, I don't even know if I'm going to get an audition. I figured I'd try to be prepared if I ever do, you know, just get that. And that was the first phase of what how it started. And then I start going to ask more people about him. And then I called Urban Wrinkler's office up, Janet, with my uh, cactus. I said, um, how are we doing now? You told me to call 30 days. It's 30 days. She said, well... I want to, I'm going to call uh, 
Scorsese's wife, what was her name? God, I just told you. Um, uh, Dafino. Huh? Dafino. No, 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 no. It's a Barbara Dafino. Yeah, Barbara Dafino. And Barb, so what I did was I said that Erwin Winkler told me to call you, right? And so I have a name, something to, mm-hmm. you know, some, give me some cred. She's very kind. And she said, we're about a month away. She knew about me. She said, I heard about you through, you know, the, not through John Gotti and him, but through, yeah, yeah. you know, just. Uh, all your call, all your calls to the production office. Yeah. Yeah. And then the, the lawyer and what have you, they, they knew about me and they knew I wasn't, um, um, well, they didn't know if I was crazy or not. I don't know. But she said, well, what we're going to try to do is get you an audition. And, and I'm like, oh, fuck, right. You know, and, and then, yeah. uh, I, I don't know if that's exact words. She's, but she said that, uh, there's some, uh, we want someone to meet you first. <clears throat> so I go in to meet this casting director and I don't know who she, yeah, I don't know what it is, but all I do know is I got one shot. I got one shot, right? So I went, I never took acting lesson. But I went, talked to this acting teacher and I said, Hey, what should I prepare for if I go in? Cause I'm having a, they, they want to meet me, right? Can't believe it, right? Uh, it's the casting director wants to meet me. Uh, she's big. She was. She done a lot of movies since then. She, um, oh God, uh, Ellen Lewis. Ellen Lewis. She was an attractive woman, and she. So she. She wanted to meet me. I didn't know, so I called. I had like, uh, like a, like it was like a week. Like a week later, she wanted to meet me. And that week, I met with this acting teacher. And I said, hey, you know, like, what, what should I do? And he goes, man, you're you, you. Just be you. Just be you. Because you're <laughs> you're like a guy. You're a character, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're a character. Don't, you don't have to do it. Just be you. And I go, what do you mean just be me? Just be, dude, I'm talking. He didn't say dude. He said, you know, just be you. And, you know, no, you got one shot. Not thinking one shot, right? What a, One shot, right? I don't know what's a general meeting. What do I know what a general meeting is? I don't have no idea what a general meeting is. All I know is I got one shot. After six months of research, I'm going in, and I'm going in as Jimmy. I had my hair slicked back. I had to, I had a, everything. I had a nine millimeter loaded. I had handcuffs, two thousand cash. The, you know, the pinky ring worth five grand. You had, you had a real, you had a real piece loaded. Loaded. Rolling into this casting, this this meeting with the casting director. That's correct. And handcuffs, and. Because I realized that, you know, I got one shot. So I'm, I'm going to make sure I got every, so I got the gun. <laughs> I got the pink, my buddy, my buddy, give me a pinky ring worth five grand. I had the chain and the hair. I fucking, I was in character, right? I'm ready to go in for Jimmy the Gent to meet Martin Scorsese. By the way, her office, and I could visualize sitting right there in her office. Behind her was another casting director did all the Woody Allen films. So I knew this from doing my research, but I didn't know she was in the same office. So I could see her there. And she's talking to me. I said, well, you know, Barbara uh, asked me to meet with you. They were curious. And, uh, you know, I said, okay. So we're talking a little bit. And I said, well, where's Marty? You know, they're going to be why? I thought that's what it was. I had my one shot. <laughs> and she goes, um, no, this is, uh, you're not going to meet Marty. Uh, that's the worker. What do you mean? Because I, 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 again, I got to say this again. I think I got one shot and that's it. And I looked at yeah. her and I said, what do you mean I can't meet Marty? I thought, what am I doing here? And I'm in character, right? And I said, listen, you could take this here. And I showed her, or this, 
the two grand, but you're going to get one of them. And she looked at me and she goes, I think you should go. And now, this moment in life, sometimes we take a shh. What do we do? Do I handcuff her? You know, <laughs> handcuff her to me, right? This way, she can't get away. You're just so, digging yourself a deeper yeah. hole. <laughs> right? We're together, right? And she has to get Marty now to talk to me <laughs> because we're handcuffed. So when I put that two grand down, all hundred, by the way, had everything fucking set. Hundreds <laughs> right there, you know, the gun loaded. I mean, I'm telling you, it was loaded. Okay. Yeah. Um, the whole thing. Uh, what do you mean? What the fuck you mean, Camille? Fuck you. Who you think you're talking to? Here, take this or this. What do you want? Get out of here. I don't, she's really like, she's, I think you should leave. Very calm. Oh, I'm thinking, I'm going to hug my handcuffer. I didn't. I leave. Character, all that. I'm on a subway. I'm crying like a little bitch. I spent six months of my life. I ruined this fucking thing, this chance. I'm, you know, I'm done. Some of my place in Staten Island, two weeks go by, and I get a call. Now, I'm, in, I'm talking like this, you know, doing this and that, right? You know what I'm saying? I'm doing my thing, right? And she calls me, and she goes, uh, is this Bob? And she goes, oh, this is Alan Lewis. And I go, hey, how are you, Alan? My voice, like, like it's like totally different. Hi, how are you? You know, hey, hey, hey. Goes, oh, hi, how are you? I said, listen, um, we want you to come in and read for something. And, like, you could feel it in your body. But you come and get sides. I don't know what fucking sides were. I had no idea. Sides, by the way, for people who don't know, is just like when I read for a film today. They give you sides you could read. The they don't give you. They don't give you the whole script, Jimmy. They they give yeah. you like they give you just like a page and and sometimes they're small, but it's just a, a selection, yeah. a selection to read. Yeah, it's like a scene. It's a scene from the film that you read, and I, I didn't know what it was. So I went in and got it. I'll never forget this because I went in and I said to the, uh, the woman at the front, and I said, "Hey, I'm Bob Golub." They told me, "Oh, you're Bob." I could have a smile on her face, like because they. I realized later that they really liked me. They said, this guy's like the real deal, like a, you know, not an accent. Like the, He's brilliant. You know, <laughs> whatever it was. So, um, so I get the sides and then, and then I, and I hear uh, Ellen Lewis go, I said, uh, thank her so much. I really appreciate it. Very calm. So like, you know, and she goes, Oh, Bob, they, uh, they like you. Just, just get that down. I said, but I, I don't know what to do. And that's when I went back to the casting. I really did the acting teacher said, look, I don't, you know, and the scene I read for, I was going to read for, uh, was, um, the scene with Sonny, uh, Bambo, I think Sonny with the one owned the restaurant that they, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So he, with, um, he ends up going to Paulie and asking him to go partner up with him. That that's guy. Right. That's scene. And, so I can't go here. I can't go there. What do you want me to do? You know, and then he, like, you remember that scene? Yeah. Oh yeah. So, what happens was, um, so I go in and they're going to say, you're going to read from Martin Scorsese. I said, you know what, man? I got it. I got what I wanted to do. I, now I like to get the part, right? But, but I, you know, so I walk in and there's Martin Scorsese. Now, fast forward, when, and when I get those sides, a couple weeks later, I was reading, maybe a week later. I don't remember. I know it was at least a week. And, I, and I'm like, I, I'm ecstatic. Like, I got my, I got my, I got what I achieved. I just wanted the audition to meet Scorsese. And I walk in there and there's a guy 
He goes, hey, 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 you're bomb, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, you're crazy. You're fucking crazy. Yeah, you go down to Johnny's place, you go out of this place. Right? You're not, you're not. All right. Here's the scene. Here's the scene. Like, because I, right. you're sitting here. <laughs> you're going to tax this guy to come in to help you with your restaurant. Okay. He said, did you, did you read this stuff? Did you read this thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah yes, sir. So I'm there and I'm talking to him. And I grab this fucking guy and I pull him over the desk. He goes, no, 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 no. You wouldn't do that. No, 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 no. You wouldn't, you wouldn't grab him like that. No, no, no. He starts laughing. And he says, no, 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 you wouldn't do that. He's he's like kind of the wise guy. He's like the godfather. You wouldn't do that to him. So, okay. I just, I don't know. Because I, I know, I know, no, no, okay. Let's do it again. And what he did was, he didn't watch it. He would go like this. Can you see me? He would sit yeah. there. I would never, I'll never forget. Actually, it was like this. When I came in the office here, he was sitting near the desk was behind me. He, I just saw, even though he's behind me, I could sense it. He was like listening. He wasn't watching. He was listening to the cadence of, you know, how it was going, yeah. you know. And so I got done with that scene. And I just said, uh, Mr. Scorsese, this is, I told him, you know, that this is my dream and this is my, this is my Rocky story. And he goes, yeah, 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 yeah. He goes, yeah, but just, oh, by the way, so the casting director, I got to fast forward. I mean, back on this. So when Ella Lewis called me, she said, listen, come and get the sides. Uh, you can meet Scorsese, but don't bring guns. Don't be yourself. Morton doesn't like leave the, guns. Leave the gun. Yeah. Leave the guns. Don't slick your hair back. Just come as you. Don't dress up. I don't need no chains or anything else. She didn't know about the handcuffs. But <laughs> she said, don't bring no guns and just be you. Just be you. Don't, you know, it's okay. Yeah. So that's, so I went in as me. But there was Scorsese, so she told me that. She called me, Scorsese don't like guns, um, right? So you, so you, you read this scene though, and 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 we all remember that scene in the movie. That guy's scared. He's scared of Tommy. He's scared of of Pesci's character, who beat him, you know, over the head and is, is taking advantage of him, not paying his tab. Yeah, he goes, so it's he, seven grand here. I, I, I never forget numbers. I think it was seven, wasn't? Yeah. So so he, he's he's you know he's scared. He's desperate. He's, 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 he's weak. It's a weak moment where he's going to Paulie, the boss, you know, Paul, Paul Sorvino in the movie plays that character. So I, I imagine he's probably listening to you when he's not watching you give that performance. He's listening. He wants to hear it in your voice, right? He wants to hear, you know, maybe that fear or that something, but, but you didn't, you're saying to me, like, you really didn't understand what the scene was at the yeah, time. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't really. Understand that's hard for actors 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 coming in blind usually or you know with they only give them those those that selection on that side they don't know the what scene that is or they, they don't get a lot of direction in these things usually you come in and you you know they, they want to see a cold read or something you know so go ahead now you're you've you, you did the scene for him what happens there? well just back to what you said a lot of times to give you an example like i just read for something yesterday right and i'm reading for something today Sometimes they don't give you the script or they just give you stuff and you have to fill in the blanks, right? you got to bring this stuff. So that's what I did. I didn't know. Um, I just, I, I don't know why. I swear to God, I, I'd have to think about it, where I actually grabbed. I know I grabbed him and pulled him over the thing. I snatched that fucker, right? <laughs> and so, um, no, 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 no. You wouldn't do, um, but the weird thing was is so when I'm leaving, like, I can't tell you, I, I felt like I was two inches. I mean, literally a foot off the ground. I like yeah. I achieved. I felt high, man. Like really yeah. fucking high from good skunk or something. Like really high, man. And <laughs> I mean, 
when I come out. Some of that good sharing stuff. Um, <laughs> you no, know, man, this is like, I felt like, I felt like I was floating. And it was called the Warner Building. And I went down and I came out. And I felt like I just seen this first guy, I swear to God, I go, hey, man, I just met Mark Scorsese. He goes, I give a fuck about this. <laughs> Still like a New Yorker. I swear to God, like, no, man, I just met Martin Scorsese. I had to tell somebody, right? This guy, I didn't even fucking know who he was. I just come out and feel like, man, I just met Martin Scorsese. He goes, oh, fuck. You know, he just keeps moving. He like, you don't care. Like, like maybe I'm lying or whatever, you know, or he doesn't give a fuck. You know, who knows? But uh, uh, that, that was that, that was the bell here. If you didn't hear it here at Schaffen, the, uh, the, the class here letting out schools letting out but so if you see if you hear anything or see anything that's that's what's going on behind us bob but we got about 10 minutes left we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up but i want to we're gonna definitely come back and talk to you again but hold on we have to get to you left your meeting you're 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 feeling great you just met you you manifested this you made it happen right you made it happen correct which you know i tell people all the time that especially you come back, you know, they ask me why I come back to Youngstown or whatever, or my, I got kids. They say, oh, I'm bored. I, listen, make it happen. You want to do something fun, make it happen. So you did it, man. That's, that's great, but keep going. Yeah. So, you know, uh, I, uh, you know, remember I'm performing every night now, Monday to Sunday. That was the eighties. It was so much work. Right. And so, you know, I just kind of forgot. I didn't forget about it. I was in the back. I mean, the high was still, I tell everybody, you know, I do the shows. You want to do a standup. Hey man, that's, Martin Scorsese, like in my act. But uh, then two weeks later, I get a call from Alan Lewis. She calls me and she said, hey, uh, Marty, Marty, really liked you. Really, he loved you. And they're going to find for something for you in a movie. I'm like, wow. I can't, you know, I, you know, I can't believe that, right? And then they uh, found this part there, the truck driver, you know, um, which incidentally, I could tell you you know, about the film. I mean, when we did it, like I was the first day they shot and all kinds of stuff, you know, when I was on the bus and they were taking us, I was sitting with Scorsese's father right next to me. And it was the first day they shot. Um, they shot your scene first day. Yeah. And you know what other scene they shot too? Do you remember the, uh, the, the truck where they would, uh, the garbage truck guys. So I don't kid. Know, like that one scene, they shot that. And you know who was there? Oh, by the way, that walk I did, they they did four different, four, five different costume changes. I did that walk more than anything. I did that walk 24 times, 25 times. Because Gorsuch kept saying, uh, to village. I didn't know what that meant. Kind of gay, I guess. I'm not sure. But then every time they would switch to uniform, and then he'd have me say, walk like a trucker. go. I don't know what that means. In fact, to show you how naivete I was and how green I was, why they love me, was I'm on a set. I'm a blue-collar guy. My truck breaks down. I get up, I start working on a truck, and I swear to God, the guy goes, second day, hey, uh, Marty, the kid's working on the truck. No, no. He goes, come up. No, 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 no. Don't touch the truck. This is all union. You can't touch the truck. I go, well, I was trying to fix it. It broke down. You can't do that. It's like, you know, like it's a major production. They have fucking people to do that. I don't know. I grew up in Sharon, Pennsylvania. I'm going to fix the truck. You know, <laughs> I'll never forget the guy that he must have been the first AD. He go, Marty, the kid's trying to fix it. And I could hear him laugh. <laughs> that's how, that's why I think they like me. Cause I was so were, yeah. real, you know, so honest, I guess. And, uh, <clears throat> but yeah, I mean, it's, just the shoot itself was unbelievable. I mean, Lorraine Bracco was very nice to me because she saw how many times I was just doing the walk, just the walk. And, uh, 
and the two lines there to to uh, and where it stole my truck. But then in between that, I had to add some stuff like, "Can you fucking believe that? Can you?" That was all me. They let me just go with the the motion. What was happening, you know? Yeah. Um, and then of course, when I came in, I grabbed myself my nut, like my dad would do that. So I did my dad. <laughs> Uh, but it was it was like and so even the nod how clearly clearly he loved it because he it was in the movie oh to have my own scene you know i mean it's unbelievable you know and then uh <laughs> ray and them uh and pesci so when i would come, walk by them just a nod was like we worked on that that's how detailed he is uh scorsese goes you got to make it very not obvious but not you know not another the audience is going to know but no one else is going to know. So you got to do like a, so that walk up to the thing was more important than anything. Once I get in the diner, I just did me, you know, and the lines, you know, but, uh, and if you look real close, cause we looped, I go, I never actually use the phone. Yeah. What do you like? What do you mean? You just, I just act like I'm using it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So in other words, I'm not really like, if you really look at the detailed thing, I, it's looped a little bit and I'm not using, I'm not actually doing it. Yeah. Doing the phone. So technically I would be doing that, but they, it's a small little detailed things you never pick up, you know, either like a young, yeah, no, the, the audience never picks up a lot of those things. You know, I guarantee it. Cause like I said, I, we've seen it a hundred times. You don't notice that, but you know, that's great, man. That, that, that is, like I said, it, it lives forever in you know the pantheon of great films not even just mob films great films it is one of the top five man it is it is you know people's favorites and it's it's such a cool thing you made it happen did at any point did uh did you get to tell marty where you were from or young anything about youngstown at all oh i'm sure that his lawyer you know probably you know look I'm just a small dude. Like they're not worrying about me. Right. What I'm saying is that they knew about me and they liked me. In fact, even after this, when they did Cape fear, if I stayed in New York, I probably would have worked on a lot of projects and you can say, Oh, you're in LA. Why don't you just go? It's not like going and actually saying, Hey, you know? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so when they were doing Cape fear, I'd call up the office and they go, Bobby, there's nothing for you here, but stay in touch. You know, I was able to get that relationship with them because yeah. they liked me. Uh, but I'm sorry. What, what did you ask? No, no. You know, I, I was just curious because there's, um, you know, we debunked again in that previous Youngstown Mob Talk episode we did about the truth about Youngstown and Goodfellas. Um, we debunked a lot of these things. There, there's there's an internet rumor. There's If you go on imdb.com, which if anybody who's not in the movie business, that's like the movie where all the movie credits, you can find every credit. Yeah. So uh, if you go to that site, and you look at Goodfellas and you look at the trivia sections, it actually says in there, somebody put this in there, that he put a Youngstown Vindicator, Marty Scorsese personally put a Youngstown Vindicator in Goodfellas as a nod to Youngstown, right? Like some homage right. to Youngstown, like some homage, you know, to Youngstown. But I can tell you that when I was in LA, we had shopped a series around about, a scripted series about right. Youngstown. And... Of all the, you know, uh, uh, when we when I came back here, the option period expired, and so another guy picked up the rights to it, and I was the writer of a uh, co-writer at the time with true crime author Alan May. Uh, we had this this big presentation and pitch and everything, you know, written, 
And uh, this boxing promoter bought the rights to it. Of all people, his name was Mike Acre, and he was from Western. He was from Youngstown, but he, he right. did a lot of promoting in Erie, PA. Right. He promoted um, uh, Camacho and Duran. He promoted those guys' fights. I actually fought up there. I did a five rounder up there. Yeah. You you might you probably might have came across me, but it? Mike Mike loved the Youngstown mob story, right. and he wanted he wanted to tell it so bad. But he I, had he didn't have Hollywood connections so much that he just had connections and entertainment connections. Right. And he ended up getting it to um, a, a quick like one sheet to Scorsese or something. Wow. And the word came back that on through telephone that uh, he never heard of Youngstown, or that he didn't wasn't 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 familiar with it. Be, and yeah, uh, but, I mean, his his lawyer knew right away. No, no. But what I, what I'm saying though is, you know, I don't think he knew Youngstown's mob story, right? You know, at all. So so whoever put that out there in the trivia section on IMDb that it was a uh, you know a personal right. uh, connection to, to Youngstown that's craziness. You know, we we debunked that in that previous episode. But uh, you know, we have thought, you know, when you think about uh, the film he did. Um, oh my God, uh, with a uh, De Niro and, and uh, his original Mean Streets. Mean Streets. Yeah. That's that would be the Youngstownish type of story. You know what I mean? Yeah. That yeah, kind we, of we color. That you know what I mean? That not the the, the talk, but kind of like that really. Yeah. That's I, I. I'm surprised that he. I I would hard to believe that he wouldn't know about Youngstown, Ohio. Maybe not about the mob and all that, but you know it's kind of. Well, Ed, Eddie told his story where um, you know he was Ed O'Neill was was filming a movie with Pacino. And Pacino asked him one time, Ed, where are you from? You know, and Ed told him Youngstown, Ohio. And he goes, never heard of it. But he said, uh, are there any Italians there? <laughs> that's, that's the, that's what I'm getting at is even, you know, people don't know for that aren't from here. We have like, more fucking paisans here than anywhere else in the country the, other than New York city. I exactly. Mean, the, the huge Italian population call, around here. And the, I, by so the they way, don't I call Youngstown the toughest town in America per capita. And it is. Look at all the fighters that come out of one world championships. I, I got to tell you straight out. I say that all the time. White Town is the toughest town in America per capita. Case closed. Look at the yeah. fucking championships. Seven championships came out of there. It's crazy. There's there's so many great fighters. Um, there's actors. There's people in entertainment. People like yourself. People like Eddie. There's so many great. You know the the Mount Rushmores right of of the come out of Youngstown sports is what it's probably chiefly known for. So many athletes right. around this area. But um, a lot of musicians you know, and, too, man. We talk about a lot of musicians. You know, yeah. uh, they came in the area. When I say you say Youngstown, you know, Sharon Youngstown area. It's just a yeah. area. It's, it's, you know? it's, it's, it's the valley it's, we call it's it. The valley. The valley. Yeah. And it's funny because you're in L.A. and you got the valley in it. Right, right, right. <laughs> it's right. a different uh, valley for sure. <laughs> well, you 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 know what's funny, Bob? My uh, when my uncle Joey was coming up in, in the mob and stuff, they ran the area which was called the Sharon Line. Wow. And that was you know that was. 422 and then of course 616 up in the hubbard and up in the major right? yeah has, told, i'm sorry good but that was that was their territory that was that was what they they actually referred to it as the sharon line because we had a place called the silver star on 616 it was between hubbard and in youngstown and it was a nightclub used to disco in the 70s i went over there and he used to have that place by the way uh can i ask him to your your one of your uncles did you not have a couple daughters that were uh, blondes that were beautiful? Do you have some nieces? I don't have any nieces. Um, it would have been Answer. it would have it would have been one of my great uncles. Um, 
So I'm thinking Billy did have a daughter, but he only had one daughter that I know of. Right. Okay. And Joey, Joey didn't have any kids. Yeah. He, yeah. I heard that, but I know that I know for a fact that I met a girl, a blonde, beautiful, and she was related to you folks. And because, uh, well, it used to be a card game in Niles. <laughs> so, okay. but I know that six sixteen. you know, people, like we talk about that, they don't realize that they ran the whole town. It wasn't like bits and pieces, like they're all broke up with the families in New York. No, no, it was like, you know, pretty much, you know, they, when I was growing up, man, I knew, I told you the story about the, the pot thing, you know, with Joey. Uh, they, yeah, I knew, I knew all about that situation, man. We're going to have to save that one for. We'll get together again. Another episode, Bob. This, this, yeah. was, this was fun. How that was great. You do? I have no idea. Uh, we're about an hour, hour. No way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Time flies when we're doing this. It, you know, we, me and him could sit on here for three, four hours at a time. <laughs> it goes we, quick, we man. We just could. It goes know? quick. And and there's, that's why, uh, you know, we love him. The Kenny Hyderis at the Sunrise Inn and the Robbins Theater. He, he asked us one day, uh, you want to do a live show? You want to do it on stage with right. an audience? With an audience, sure, yeah, in a live audience, great. We'll we'll give it a shot. You know, we didn't think anything of it. We sold the place out, fourteen hundred you know, seats earlier this year. So can we, I tell you something that's amazing, man. And I, I, congratulations. I, I wish, thank you, thank you so much. I wish you were back here for November because this Cav Bomb show is going to be insane. You know, we 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 got the original uh, um, the the bombing survivor of the Cavalero bombing coming back. We got an FBI agent who worked the case coming back. Briar Hill, Jimmy Melador. We we got all that coming up November tenth, but. Just you know, let me know we're going to do more of these shows. If we could do, if we could put something together, I'll tie in some stand up around it. That's all. So in other <laughs> yeah. words, like I, that's what I do. I, I circle stuff. Like I don't, no reason to be in Vegas and there. So I'll try to do something in Cleveland or Pittsburgh. You know. So let me know. That's something we talk about. Absolutely, and you know, I, I think uh, if, if, if again, Bob is a born comedian. That's his first, you know, uh, a trade. Right? He's a comedian first and foremost. So Bob plays a lot, you know, if, you, if, if when he's in town, make sure you catch him because he was just in town recently. Um, please, you know, Bob, where can people find you? Where they, where can they find your stuff? They just, they, just Bob Golub, Google it, man. I'm not, you know, I have bobgolub.com. I haven't worked on that for like six months. You know, I had somebody handling it. But, they, you know, I put stuff up all the time on uh, TikTok. Where can we see like yeah like your tour like where where or not your tour but you know where you're gonna be next or anything is you get bobgold.com? To be honest with you, man, I cleared my schedule because I've been, I've been up for these films. So like so now I'm just starting to rebook now. So another, I go to Vegas anytime. You know, pretty much I do book ahead of time. If I want to go to Vegas, yeah. I can go to Vegas. I go to Tropicana, call Harry. Uh, but I've been so they would go to bobgold.com. We'll start posting because like I just I was worked in Poland. I did a show in Poland. Yeah, and social media. You said where? TikTok, uh, Instagram, you know, uh, Facebook, you go to, there's only one Bob Gullop. I mean, really, you now, know, and real quick, he, he just mentioned him. He just played, he played a show in Poland, not Poland township. Right. So <laughs> I'm back to my hometown I, and I tell him, I said, so I tell my friend, he says, when are you coming back? I said, I'm, I'm working in Poland. He goes, Oh, I just saw someone else. I go, no, I'm talking Poland, the country. <laughs> he goes, you speak Poland. I go, no, you dumb fucking. That's called Polish. I don't speak the country. I'm fucking going to Poland. And he goes like, why are you doing that? I go, I'm going to perform. He goes, well, how are they going to understand you? 
and go, you are really a dumb fuck. You know, by the way, you're not a Polak. No, they fucking speak English. Everyone else speaks two languages. I'm going to yeah. a place that speaks fucking English. Yeah, I think a lot of people, a lot of people don't get that. You know, over in Europe, man, they speak English and then they're whatever their native language is. And it's not like it's not like us lazy fucks over here in the United <laughs> we'll States. Go to Italy. We only know fucking English, America, right? You go to. Uh oh, what do you think happened there? You think uh, uh, we we lost Bob? Maybe he got whacked or something. <laughs> <laughs> they finally got Bob. Uh oh, no, it's okay. We're gonna, hey, we'll bring Bob back again. That was fantastic. I mean, he really. He made it happen. Absolutely. Um, you know, it's that that Youngstown intestinal fortitude of the people from this valley, man. Drive, determination. Uh, you know, he'd never acted before. And he told he said it he was gonna be, he wanted to be in Goodfellas in this Martin Scorsese movie. He put himself in the position to be cast in the movie. He made it happen. He did the research, he did all the legwork. He made it happen and put him, you know, you get in the room with Martin Scorsese and boom, he's, he's in the Goodfellas. So what a story. Absolutely. It's they should story. make a movie about that story. Just trying to get in Goodfellas. Right. I mean, you know, Bob, we're going to call you. We got, that's, <laughs> that's our next one. If anybody likes that idea, we'll pick that one up. Um, but yeah, that was great. So I, I met Bob. Uh, he was in town recently. He was doing a show. And, uh, you know, I just got to uh, meet him when he was in town. And I said, man, you got to tell that story on, on, uh, on Youngstown Mob Talk. Awesome. And, you know, thanks, Bob, for doing that. We really appreciate it. It's a great story. Um, it's inspiration, really, to people, you know. Um, now, yeah, I don't recommend bringing a gun to a casting session. Well, no. <laughs> he was, he was, that, he but... was one, one step away from a felony in there. He was, he was either going to get the role or he's going to get the, you know, get the cuffs. Yeah, literally. Uh, but, you know, it, it is a good story and it's, you know, it shows that hard work, perseverance and not taking no for an answer can get you places. Yeah. And it's another connection to Youngstown and Goodfellas. Yeah. How about that? Another one. Another one. When we did, I wasn't even, you know, too aware of when we, when we did our first episode. You know, we're starting to have all these connections between Youngstown and Goodfellas. You know, Marty, if you're listening out there, come on, man. What are you waiting for? You know? <laughs> if you're listening, then we know that you are. <laughs> I mean, we, we got a movie. We got a series. Whatever you want. There's well, enough it, of it here. Hey, look, that's maybe we're just going to make it happen ourselves. Yeah. Jim. Maybe that's what we got to do. Yep. Until next time, guys, we're going to get out of here. Uh, you know, on behalf of our sponsors, thank you. What we'd like you guys to do is because they support us, so we need you to support them. And, and the easiest way you can do that is finding them on social media. Give them a like. Just give them a like. Yep. That's the easiest way that you can help us is giving our sponsors a like, showing them that, you know, that you're a fan that you thank us. So, you know, we appreciate it. And uh, gosh, I think that wraps it up, buddy. Yeah. For Johnny Chicatelli, I'm Jimmy Naples. This has been another edition of Youngstown Mob Talk. We'll see you guys next time. Ciao. Ciao. That was an amazing podcast from an amazing podcast company. To watch with video, check out our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash amazingpodcastcompany.